Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. I am Minister Ginger London. Thank you so much for joining me on this morning. I'm so excited about this morning. We are still celebrating National Women's History Month, and as you know, every year we always recognize women who are doing greater works in the earth. And this year our theme is Spiritual Diamonds, because I believe that we are all precious gems in the sight of God. But some of us have gone through a little something to let our brilliance shine so that others might see our good work works. And so this year we're interviewing women who have um, experienced something uh, where God is shaping their lives so that their brilliance can actually show in the earth. And today we have Apostle, Spiritual Diamond, Apostle Valerie Isaiah. I am very excited. I'm excited about what she's going to talk about. I'm also excited about what she's going to teach on. And so before we get started and before I let her say hello to the audience, we'll just go ahead and open up with a word of prayer, and then I'm going to let her greet you, and then I'll tell you a little bit about her. So if you're joining us by phone or in, on, online, uh, touch and agree with us as we go forward uh, in the presence of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you on today. We just bless your name and we just honor you, O God. And Father, we ask right now that as we boldly come to your throne of grace, that you would search our hearts. Remove anything that is not of you, that's not like you, things that we've done and said. We repent of those things in the name of Jesus. But on this today, Lord God, we're waiting and expecting a right now move by your Holy Spirit. As you use your vessel, Apostle Valerie Isaiah, Lord God, when she talks to us, and shares her testimony where she teaches on um, you doing a, about to do a new thing. Open our ears so that we can have a, an ear to hear what you are saying to the church and to your people on today. We thank you for this blessed opportunity, and we believe by faith that all of those who are listening or who may hear the replay, Father, that, that all of these words will fall as seeds on good ground and that it will return a hundredfold. And we just thank you for this blessed and wonderful opportunity. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So once again, audience, I am Minister Ginger London of GingerLondon.com. I just want to thank you uh, for joining us. Um, I'm just going to get right into it and tell you a little bit about Apostle Valerie, and then I'm going to let her greet you. Uh, She is one of the end-time prophetic voices that is on the move in the 21st century. She is the wife and best friend of Apostle uh, Cornell Isaiah. Uh, She shares dominion as chief apostle and presiding uh, Bishop of uh, Christ Church International, along with her husband. And in 2006, um, her self-started Bible study became a five-fold church, and that's awesome. 
She is the mother of two sons and one daughter and the grandmother of a handsome grandson. In 2017, her church known as CCI was moved to Fort Worth, Texas from St. Louis, Missouri. And recently she relocated to Melothian, Texas. I hope I said that correct, which is 30 miles outside of Dallas, Texas. She is she uh, God has gifted um, Apostle Isaiah with a gift of prophecy, laying on of healing hands, teaching, discernment. Uh, and Dr. Rod Parsley prophesied over her that God was going to use her to heal thousands while attending a conference at Solid Rock Church in Monroe, Ohio in 2011. She has been blessed to write the first of several parts of her biography called Where Was God? A Journey in 2011. So I am excited. Good. Hello, uh, Apostle uh, Valerie. How are you? I'm wonderful. Good morning, awesome woman of God. How are you? Good morning. I am blessed and just so uh, thankful to uh, that you are able to join us this year. I'm just really honored by that. Oh, God is and, doing great things, and I'm excited about it. Amen. Amen. So we'll get right into it and to our questions, and then I'm going to turn it over and let you teach. Uh, briefly tell us about your journey into ministry. You know, I uh, did a lot of thinking about that question, and I began to really just see God where he wanted me to start. And my journey in ministry began the day I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, which was January the 15th, 2001. I was in a situation where, you know, I was taken to church as a baby, and then at the age of eight, I used to take the church bus and go to uh, one of the local churches and when I was 13 years old, I took the seed and was baptized and became a member of the church, but sin still dwelled in my life. And But on January the 15, 2001, after a series of broken relationships, after two divorces, I um, found myself crying out to God. And I remember being on the phone with one of my friends, and I was telling her, she had got herself together and was out of the streets, and I told her, I said, I had been seeing this guy and didn't want to tell anybody about the relationship because, you know, I knew she was in church, and she was a church baby. Her father was a pastor, and I especially didn't want to tell her. And she said to me, we were off work that day because it was Martin Luther King's birthday, actual birthday, and she said to me, Val, I don't know why you're worrying about what I'm what I say or think God sees and knows everything. And when I got off the phone, I went into my bedroom and I began to cry out to God and I began to just seek his face and I began to just worship him. And I don't know when the tears stopped, but all I know that the next day when I woke up that God has saved me, he has sanctified me, he has filled me with the Holy Ghost. But you know, the one thing about it, after all of that crying out to God and everything and having to uh, deal with all the brokenheartedness and the feelings of abuse, neglect, and rejection from corner to corner, the work had to begin. So with the journey, it began with me just starting the work, just seeking God's face, just being a vessel of honor and being teachable. Absolutely. You know, and I think a lot of times uh, believers, when, you know, especially uh Young, young in ministry or young in Christ, if you will, you know, sometimes we we get off track. And when I say young, I don't mean like six, seven, eight years old, just young in, in our relationship with God. And we feel sometimes when we are around people who are maybe faithful, 
that uh, whatever we're doing, we can't share it with them. And I think that's where a lot of people miss their breakthrough sometimes because it's in the church or the body of Christ is where we should have the safest zone of ever to be able to confess our sins one to another, you know, and to, to really come together and help each other out. So what is it like? what was it like for you as a woman pursuing the educational degrees that you've accomplished? Well, first of all, I'm um, truly grateful for my educational degrees that God has uh, given me. I um, began with my associate's degree, and I've, I guess I achieved that in 1988. But in the midst of graduation, in the midst of finals, my father died. So with his death, you know, so there goes the finances that I needed. So at that point, I had to begin to depend on student loans, and my mother hadn't um, worked since uh, since right after I was born. So I had to really depend on um, the student loans and everything. So the debt started piling up. I but I did uh, get my associate's degree. I moved on to a four-year university. It was a college, but later it's called McKendry University. So I moved on to there to get my um, bachelor's degree in sociology with special emphasis in criminal justice. My my ideal job, I felt at the time, was that I was going to probably relocate to Chicago and get a job working for U.S. Customs because several of my family members worked there. But, you know, God had a different plan. So... Upon entering McKendry, you know, my father had just passed, and it was uh, just a lot heavy on my heart. So I didn't make the grades that I felt that I should have made. And because in uh, working on my associate's degree, I was a straight-A student for quite a while. So going into finals, the seven, I was pulling seven classes. The seven classes, I had seven A's, but when he died during the finals, two of my A's dropped down to C's, which was really devastating for me, but I pressed through, but when I got to McKendry, I just couldn't pick back up that momentum, and having been an individual that, as a child, that had gone through being sexually abused from the age of four to 11, having um, been uh, raped at the age of 16, I just thought I had put all of that behind. But the minute I entered uh, working on my associate's degree, one of my professors, he began to sexually harass me. And then when I got to McKendry, I, I was a junior, so I stayed on campus and everything and in the dorms. And one of my um, classmates, as you will, he tried to rape me. He was on a basketball scholarship from Chicago, and it just put me in such a place of desolation. It's like, okay, so seven years of the sexual abuse, the raping, just dealing with all of the trauma that comes with that. I've come in these latter years to really realize that it was a trauma that it just set me on a, a course of destruction. But once again, God had a plan. So I was able to maneuver through, finished, got my um, bachelor's degree in sociology with emphasis in criminal justice and ended up taking a job working as a counselor. And my mother at the time, she kept telling me she wanted me to go back to school. And I was like, because they looked at me as a professional student. I'm like, no, I just need 
some time for me, which I should listen to my mother because it took me seven years to get back to school to work on my master's degree. Within those seven years, two, two broken marriages. And when the dust settled, I was a single mother with two children that had left Hampton, Virginia, and moved back to the St. Louis metropolitan area to raise my two children. And I was truly blessed. I have brothers that were wonderful to me, and they really helped in my healing process. I ended up waitressing. And one day I just I talked to a friend, and she was telling me about a National Lewis University, and I decided, okay, let me go back to school. So I went back to school to get my HR degree um, in a master's program, and I completed the program in 15 months with a 3.8 GPA on a 4.0 scale. So I was feeling pretty proud of that. So, uh, But no one would hire me. As soon as I finished the degree, I went on an uh, interview. No one would hire me, and I got discouraged, and I just kind of like put – all of that on the back burner, and I went back to the field of counseling, men who had been on probation and parole and who had alcohol or drug problems. So I went back to a job that I once had. And my journey was demanding on so many levels. As a single mother, raising two children, pursuing education, working, you know, but even in all of that, God had a plan. So back in 2002, I was pursuing a second master's degree in curriculum and instruction. I uh, met my husband. I was school in school full-time. I was working full-time and yet raising kids. My kids were making straight A's in school. I was making straight A's. I was excited and happy, and I had one day off from work that day, and I met my husband while I was standing in the doorway, and... He joined on this journey with me. We got married seven weeks later, and at the end, I finished school with a 3.8 GPA on a 4.0 from Fabian University. But once again, I was planning on being a teacher this time, and I had did some substitute teaching, and I just felt teaching was in my heart. But someone offered me a job counseling and as soon as I accepted the position, then they offered me the teaching position. But I had already started the other job, and counseling was my passion. So I just stayed with my passion. And But this time, when I went back to counseling, I was saved. I was sanctified. I was Holy Ghost filled. I was filled with the fire God. And I was able to really leave a lasting impression on these men to help them become healed, delivered, and set free. And I worked with a lot of females, so I was able to just really share my testimony, really minister to them, really just expound upon them who my God was. And really God was using me to, even in their lives, to begin the transformation process. Wow. And how do you... um with all of that, how do you think, um, with going through all of that, how did you push past the aftermath of the abuses as you were you going know, through? You know, um, I went through a lot of depression. I was suicidal. I, uh, the job that I had, I don't know why I'm getting a little teary-eyed now, but the job that I had, I would drive across the Martin Luther King Bridge in St. Louis. I lived on the Illinois side, and I would just, be talking to God, and I would be telling God that I wanted to kill myself. 
And but the day that I surrendered, all of those suicidal ideations, they left. But I had to realize that I had to come to a place of forgiveness because I, two of my brothers had molested me and the guy that had raped me. And in the course of that, as an adult, experiencing two more incidents of rape all in one weekend and remembering on that Sunday kind of like hitting the air and having a conversation with God and telling God that if another man that I'm not married to touches me, I'm going to just kill him and somebody else is going to have to raise my children. But yet it still took me three more years of going through the Maori clay to really just surrender my life to Christ. And just the depression itself, it, it just almost took me. But I had a friend she said to me later, once I surrendered my life to Christ, she told me, she said, Valerie, I had no idea that you were going through that because you were such a source of encouragement for everybody. She said, you always had a smile on your face. You always had an encouraging word for everybody. She said, so I'm just trying to understand how could you be feeling that desolate but yet you kept everyone else encouraged. So that just let me know even then in the midst of my trials, in the midst of my tribulations, in the midst of my storm, that Jesus was there all the time. That even when I accepted him at the age of 13, that he kept me. Because even in relationships and when I was out there fornicating and doing my thing and living that life of sin, the conviction of the Holy Ghost was always there. I would find myself in the presence of God just asking, God, God, please help me. Help me to stop living this way. Help me to stop acting like this. Help me to stop going to these places. Help me to stop letting these men get in my life. So I, I would, I, I had a lot of bouts where I was constantly in church. If When I was in church, I was in church. I was serving God. I was paying tithes. I was singing on the choir, but the minute the things started getting rough, that depression set back in, and I allowed myself to go back out of church. But once again, on that January the 15th, 2001, when I gave God my all, it was you would have to have been there in the room. It's like God showed me a flashback of all the sexual abuse. He showed me of, of everything, every unkind word that was spoken over me. I grew up with the kind of mother, her life was broken. Her father died when she was 12. Her mother had already died when she was two. And so now she, she ended up with these three sons, and then she has a daughter with my father, who, who they had been married for almost three years when they had me, and then she had three more sons. And that was just a life that she lived, and, I think she forgot about her life. I forgot I was her only daughter, and she forgot to pour into me. But then on the other hand, you living with a mother that would turn around and tell you how much she loved you and call you mama's little little baby and stuff like that. So it was just really conflicted and was really confusing. So I had Jesus was all I had. And, and even in that, her father was a Baptist preacher, and he used to beat them really bad, and he uh, set her bottom on the stove to where he cooked her skin to where uh, it was uh, thicker than your thumb, the scab was, and she had to lie to the doctor and everything. So she would tell us these stories over and over, so it just made me have so much compassion and so much love for her. And later on when I 
She died when I was 27 years old and I had just given birth to my daughter. But later on, uh, God had to really just let me know that it was time for me to forgive her. And it's like, okay, God, I'm a pastor. I'm serving you. I'm leading your people. And, and I feel like I'm walking in forgiveness. And one of my ministers that serve up under me, Apostle Latoya, she ended up telling me, she said, God say, when we get home, one of uh, her nieces had burnt her hand really bad. And God had used me to lay hands on that baby's hand. They told her that she was going to have to have surgery. We put that blessed oil on that hand, and we laid hands on that hand. And um, by the time she went back to the doctor about four weeks later, they uh, couldn't find anything wrong with it. But that's the kind of God that we serve. Amen. But that night, I got in God's presence. I got down on my knees in my secret place, which was in my living room. And I kneeled before my love seat, and I began to ask God, what is it you would have me to do? And God had me. He said, first, I want to start with you. And I'm like, well, God, what did I do? He told me about, as a teenager, about the gossip and told me about getting all in the the cliques and all the things that I had did because I was so busy trying to point the finger at everybody else, and God had to point it back at me. And he had me to call their names out, the people that I had hurt. And to say out loud that I was sorry, and then he had me, the people that hurt me, say their names out loud that had hurt me, and that began my walk to forgiveness, and therefore I was able to really, at that point, begin to serve God in the fullness of holiness. Amen, amen. I mean, I mean, it sounds like your journey has been a lot, you know. Uh, and I know some people who've gone through some similar type journeys, but um, it, it's amaz- it always amazes me when people are able to push past certain uh, tribulations, if you will, uh, in their lives. You know, in sexual abuse and physical abuse, those are the two that I know from having counseled people. Those types of abuses leave something, you know, lingering within you if you don't get delivered from it, you know, um, and I tell people all the time, either, whether you have been abused or you're using it to hurt somebody, like you falsely accuse somebody of sexual molestation or sexual abuse, you know, um, it, it's something about that. But, you know, when you look in the scriptures um, and tell me what you, how you feel about this, uh, Apostle, you know, we look in the scripture, you will hear people say all the time, you know, uh, sin is sin. There's no greatest, no sin is any greater than the other sin. We say all kind of things in the body of Christ. But when I study the scriptures, I find that sexual sin has a different outcome than a, well, another God, sin. Well, God said that all other sins are, you know, with that sexual sin, you're sinning against your own body. You know what I'm yes. saying? So yes. that's why that's so prevalent because, you know, even as a young woman and, and becoming a minister, God had to show me every man that I slept with, those spirits attached to me. They became a part of me. And it's like some people don't know why. Well, why am I feeling like this? Why am I doing this? And and then um, you turn around and then you get married and then you're thinking about, well, well, why he don't do me like so-and-so used to do me and why I don't feel like this and why I don't feel like that? Because we we still got to get some deliverance in some areas. Absolutely. 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 So, um Moving from that to 
spiritual gifts. Because when I read your bio and I see the gifts that God has entrusted to you and from what you've learned in ministry, how important are spiritual gifts? You know, our spiritual gifts are extremely important, especially for kingdom building. And I'm so grateful that God has entrusted me with the gift of prophecy. I, I've had several people, one of the guys, they like, God don't talk to people all day like that. And one bishop in particular, he affirmed me to uh, the bishop prick, and he ended up saying, well, God, I want you to talk to me like you talked to Bishop Valerie. So, because my husband and I, we were affirmed as apostles in 2007, and we were consecrated as bishops in 2009. So long story, he uh, ended up telling me later that he regretted he asked God that. He said because he couldn't get any work done and that God was just talking to him all day long. And he, he uh, uh, apologized to me for feeling that, you know, because he said he really just thought it wasn't true. So, okay, well, if you're speaking to her like that, you can speak to me like that. And he said it was just a lot to handle. So, I, But I thank God for my gift of prophecy. I've uh, spoken to some people, some things that have truly come to pass. I thank God for the gift of laying on a healing hands uh, back in 2006, right before we started our church. There was a young man. He's a part of my ministry to this day. But we were just, God told me to call some family and friends together on a Friday night to have a uh, just a healing service, and I was pretty, I hadn't started the church. I wasn't pastoring or anything yet. That didn't start for another three weeks, but I obeyed God, and I had preached at a service, and at the end of the service, this man came in. He had on a postal uniform, so uh, God had told me to pray over a gallon of water, gallons of water and to fill up everybody's cup and pray over the water and have them to drink and they get their healing. So this man came in and he was the last one. And when I poured the water, it was only a half a cup. And I was like, Oh God, there's only a half a cup. And I heard God so clear. I heard the power of the Holy ghost say that I'm going to fill up the rest. And from that day forward, God started using me to do a half a cup of water and pray over and have the people to drink it and pray over the people. But this young man from the age of three, when he started preschool, that he had an IP um, individual education plan and he was smart, but he couldn't get from the paper what was going on in his head down to the paper. And God let me see it firsthand. I became a um, teacher's assistant at his school and I, his class was one of the classes that I worked with. And this young man, he his his writing at that point he was in fourth grade, but his writing was just like uh just just like uh, a kindergartner that that's still learning. But oh he was sixteen years old that day. I remember God having me to anoint his his forehead, had me to walk around him three times, had me to pray over that half a cup of water. He drank that water, and I prophesied to his mother who was standing right next to him. I told her that God said within three months that the school is going to contact you, and they're going to let you know that he no longer needs an IEP. And that woman of God called me excited on the phone. She said, you're not going to believe what just happened. I said, what happened? She said, the school just called and said that my mm-hmm. son, that he's 
slated to graduate, say they don't know what happened, but he's doing all of his work on his own. And then I just found out a couple of, uh, about a year ago, we were having a conversation about it. He said, oh, I forgot to tell you a part. He said, after all of that, when we took our masks, test for the state of Missouri. He said, I did so much better than most of those people. They couldn't understand what happened. But I know a man named Jesus who knows all about it, and he can tell you what happened. So I'm just grateful for that. And then God has blessed me with the gift of discernment. And as I began to just seek God's face about what did he want me to say about the gift of discernment, he said, it's just, it's just him just giving you without the judgment. He's allowing you to judge, but without the judgment, without the bias. He just allowed me to just kind of look at people, talk to people, have a conversation with people, and really uh, discern what it is I need to pray over them, what it is I need to seek God's face over them about. And to hear people come back to me later telling me about uh after they encountered their time with me or prayer with me, how God has began to just transform them and change their lives. It's just such a blessing. I'm humbled. I don't take it for granted. I give God all the glory. I give God all the honor. I give him all the praise. But I am a teacher at heart. But God has told me it's one thing to teach the Bible. He said, but you need to teach application. I saw he's a gifted me to teach application to my congregation and people that I know about budgeting, about multiple streams of income, about building your credit report, as it all relates to kingdom building. There have been several people in our ministry that I've told them step by step how to get their credit repaired. You got to do the work. You got to be willing. You got to have a willing heart. But those that were willing, God supernaturally did the rest. So I'm just grateful for everything that he's given me. And I'm just looking forward to what else he's about to do in my life. Amen. Amen. The teaching gift is an awesome gift. And it's an awesome responsibility that comes with the teaching gift. You know, I I love it. That's one of my gifts. I just love the teaching gift. You know, um, so I'm excited about that. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what your what is your biography? Where was God? Where was God a journey? That's my baby. I uh, it starts off where I am now. And actually, I wrote it in 2011, so it started off where I was in 2011 with sitting there writing the book. And it's just so awesome that um, several people had prophesied to me that you've written a book. I wrote it on paper in a notebook, one of those big notebooks, and I lost it. And then I wrote it again, and I lost it again. This time, I wrote it, you know, of course, on the computer and had it published through one company, and um, I found out later there was another company called Arthur House. So I went through Arthur House, went through the publishing process, had the uh, book republished and was excited about that. I had several um, uh, opportunities to display my book at uh, a couple of bookstores and my team was instrumental in getting some of their coworkers to purchase it and everything, but it, it's just about my life. And the second part has been on my computer, just waiting on God to release me, to release it. 
but it's so interesting. One lady, I had paid her at the time to type my, to start typing my book up. And she said that she had to give me my money back because she couldn't type the book because she couldn't stop reading it. And she said every time she put her fingers to try to type, she couldn't get it done. And Apostle Latoya, she read, she did a lot of the editing on it for me. So she said the second part is so much greater. And, you know, it talks about my, because the first part ends when I'm 15 years old and my first kiss. And the second part picks up and it deals with more of my adult life. And I haven't written part three or part four yet, but it's in my heart, it's in my spirit. The prophets have prophesied some things that God is going to do to get it on the big screen. And I'm just at a place where my faith is just so strong. I'm trusting God. I'm depending on God. And it was hard for me to go back to read this book, Woman of God. I've gone back and I've read it twice, and I'm feeling the urging and the unction in my spirit that I'm going to have to go back and read it this third time, and then God's going to release me to release the second part. And it's hard for me to reconcile where I am today. You know what I'm saying? I'm happy. Yes. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happily married. Since 2002, we're going into our 17th year to that girl, the girl that was abused, the girl that was neglected, the girl that was suicidal, the girl that was depressed, the girl that was going through all of that dysfunction. And you know what's so awesome about God, even through all of my dysfunction, dysfunction. He's blessed me with the spirit of excellence. I don't care what job that I have. He blessed me to be the top at every job. And he just has gifted me in so many ways. So I'm excited about where was God a journey. Absolutely. And that's what's so exciting about God, that God has a way of letting your light shine, letting your brilliance shine in spite of you know, maybe what people know about you or what you've been through, you know, because, again, you know, we can hold on to stuff for so long and hinder our own growth. But to be able to push through everything that you've gone through and everything that happened to you and still have a spirit of excellence, still come out on top, people still see um, uh, the excellence in you or still see that brilliance, that light shining through you and wanting you to lead. You know, that's what it's about. You know, let me, you know, a little something about the diamond quickly is that, you know, it's under the earth. It's buried under the earth. And in order for that stone to come to the earth, there has to be a volcanic eruption. Something has Mm. to go on to push it to the top for somebody to find it, to find it, to be, you know, to go digging for diamonds. In order for them Mm -hmm. to find, to even go digging for it and to know what they're looking for, it has to come from beneath the dirt of the earth, being under the earth. And the only way it comes to the surface is a volcanic eruption has to occur. There has to be something that pushes it to the top. And then, only then, the people who know what what the stone looks like that becomes a diamond, those are the people that recognize that that's a diamond right there. I could probably walk right past it and never know that. I just probably see the dirt all over it and never know. Mm. But the one that has the trained eye to see beyond the dirt and recognize the beauty of a stone in that dirt and then get it and shape it into that diamond, that's the person that becomes the master gymnast because he or Mm. she can see past the dirt. And that's what God does. He sees past the dirt. 
And then he gets the dirt off of us and creates us to be that precious gem in his sight. Yeah, so I think, you know, to hear your story and to relate it to that, and I, I know I, I love that spiritual dominant because that was the first sermon I ever, ever preached under Bishop Paul Morton in 1988. It was the making of wow. a spiritual diamond. And I held on to that all the way up until this time. I, I mean, it was that was a journey that I had gone through. And then God, mm. and, and that's how all of that from the being found, you know, like we're found in the in sin and we give our lives to God. And then we get right. put into the master cutter's hand. And then um, God, the gymnast will saw that diamond in too. Because, you, you know, the stone, you got to cut it. So, you know, God has right. to do some cutting, you know. And then he puts it up on that, that, that wheel and he begins to saw, dust, you know, saw it and shape it the way we see those diamonds in the store today. You know, it's a process that has to occur. And I went through that process. You know, I was somebody who had to always have people around me, friends around me, because at that time I was still relatively young and I had moved to New Orleans and I was living in an apartment. Mm. It just felt like I had to always have people in my apartment, I always have people I around me. And it wasn't until I rededicated my life to Christ and started studying the word of God um, that I started realizing that you don't need a lot of people around you, yes. you know, because when God starts speaking to you, some of them, you know, they will, some will not understand, uh, a, a, a large percentage of them won't understand. You'll have some that won't understand, but they'll respect it. And those are the ones that will continue to be friends, you'll be friends with. May not understand everything that God's doing in your life, but I'm going to respect the move of God in your life, and I won't interfere with that. And so it took me through through that journey of, of that process. And so, I mean, when I hear people's story and I hear what they come out of, you know, from what they come from what, up under, you know, and God, when they say things like I, I operate in a spirit of excellence, you can't get any more excellence than a bright light shining, you know. Mm. And, people and you know, but at the time, I couldn't see it like that, though. It's, right. it's just like, it, I felt like if it could happen to somebody, it was happening to me. I felt like I was getting hit with everything but the kitchen sink. Yes. <laughs> but yet, even in the midst of it, oh, God's hand was right there. Exactly, exactly. And so for me, it was a little different. I was getting fired from every job I was going to. And I think I was in that searching mode. And I was like, shoot, something got to be better than all this stuff. You know, and before I could find another one or get to another one, those people say, this is not for you. And then the, the pain, the you know, the sting of that, of having been let go. And then like, what am I going to do now? You know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know. And it took me a while because I just kept going from one to the next. But I think on that journey is where I discovered um, uh, the gift of creativity, if you will, that God had entrusted to me. I still didn't know it was God at the time because I had went from doing accounting to actually just to find something to do. I went to cosmetology school. And in cosmetology school is when I started, you know, with the hair and the makeup and all that stuff. And then they had a, a contest. I was like, well, I'm going to enter the contest, you know, and came in second, you know. So wow. it was like, wait a minute. And then from there, when I got out of cosmetology school, I started working for, um, um, what do you call it, a salon. And mm-hmm. it was in that, I said, well, it got to be more to it than this. Then I started doing events. I started putting on events for other um, cosmetologists. And I was bringing in wow. people from Johnson Products, 
soft sheen, and I would hold. I was holding seminars, and I would get the other um, salon of uh, beauticians. You guys need to come. This guy is coming. He's gonna be talking about his product. I would get them to send me samples. To put in the, the what we call swag bags now, but you know the bags. If you register right. for the seminar, I would have soft sheen Johnson products. I'll, I would contact all those people and have them send me uh, samples for my seminar I was doing for cosmetologists because they knew wow. that the, the beauty the, they were going to buy them. Sure, and I would then I would have them come in. I said, "You got anybody close by?" But it wasn't, you know, I was doing that. And I, and I enjoyed it. And then I went from that to doing fashion shows. And I would just go to boutiques and talk to people and say, hey, we, can we use your clothes? We got, we'll find models. You know, and then I would wow. literally put on fashion shows. None of that registered until I really made a decision. I had ended up going back to accounting. And it was a lady who was spirit-filled at that job. And she said, God wants to do something great with your life. And I never mm. had anybody. So I didn't know. I just smiled. Because you know how you smile and be like, okay. Right, I, you know, and the, we were closing for the uh, Christmas holidays, and she came by on purpose to my office. She said, "Don't let the old year go out, and the new year come in, and you haven't rededicated your life to Christ, so that God can tell you what he want, what he wants to do with your life." Oh my God! I said, "Okay." Still didn't know, and it wasn't until that I lived right down the street from Bishop Paul Martin's church, Greater St. Stephen's. New Year's was on a Sunday. I went to church that Sunday. Bishop Martin preached, opened the door to the church. His words were verbatim. Somebody in here, God says, don't let the old year go out and the new year come in and you don't rededicate your life to Christ so God can show you what he wants to do with your life. My I was God. Like, oh. And you know what? I'm so goofy. I leaned because I was sitting on the, on the end row. I leaned in the chair to look down and see how far the aisle was to the front. So I said, oh, I got to walk all the way down that aisle. And finally I got up and I walked down the aisle and they set mm, me in the, you know, the, Holy chair in the in the front. And it was a lady mm. that was an elder at the time. I just happened to look at her. Now, all this is new to me. I just happened to look at her and there was a glow on her face. And she smiled and she said, it's you. And I was like, yes, ma'am. I still didn't know what to do, you know. And so I just said, and it was that journey, and then my journey, it all started right there with de- rededicating wow. my life to Christ. And, and then and from there, isn't it beautiful? And it wasn't until it was time for me to preach my first sermon, and God kept speaking in my spirit about the diamond. And so I started looking up, looking up the, I looked it up in the encyclopedia because they didn't have all this internet and all this stuff then. Right. So I looked it up. And I started looking at the diamond and how it's shaped and what what it go the stone the process it goes through, and I, I I remember somebody telling me in the church because they saw my growth, and I remember somebody coming to me saying nobody grows as fast as you grow. How do oh you do it? Nobody grows as fast. So I just had to sit there and I was like, well, how do you respond to that? You know, and so. But again, I just started, I was still preparing. And when I taught that, when I preached, rather, that first sermon, the making of a spiritual diamond, you know. And well, but, I told but God got to, he, he, God can't use nobody but the saints to prune you. Because nobody can prune you like the saints. Exactly. <laughs> nobody can do it like that. Anybody outside of the, you just will let it roll off your back. But when a brother or sister in Christ says something, it's a little different. Yeah. That pruning mm-hmm. is a little different. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it worked out. So I'm excited about what I hear uh, you saying and what you're expecting from God. And so before I let you teach, I just is there anything in ministry um, that you're seeing that may be issues that are challenging women today? You know, I had to really, really sit down. I went online and kind of Googled what other women are saying and I uh, And God said, okay, now you finished with all of that? I said, yes, Lord. He said, okay, this is what I want you to talk about. So he told me the first issue is that both men and women in and outside of ministry see gender. I, I know in whom I believe, I know without a doubt that I hear from God, I know that he's called me and he's sanctified me, but yet we deal with that. I had a woman to come in my inbox. She was a chief apostle of some ministry. I don't have a problem with you being a chief apostle. Uh, when the woman of God uh, was a part of our um, consecration to the office of a bishop, she prophesied to me and she said, God said you are a chief apostle along with your husband. So I said, okay, that went in one ear and out the other because I had never heard of the term chief apostle. And you don't, you want to stay humble. You don't want to think you're more than what you are. But I, that was for two years, I ignored that. And we were about to be a part of a affirmation service for a man becoming an apostle. And God told me that, Either you're going to accept who you are as a chief apostle, he said, or sit down and don't do nothing for, for the kingdom. Don't do nothing. And I remember crying, and I remember crying out to God. I remember repenting to God. And when I accepted who he called me to be, when I tell you the favor of God fell in my life, when I tell you we ended up opening up that banquet center after that, and you know, when you got your own business and stuff like that, people always want to use you, and they don't never, when it's a black-owned business, they don't never want to pay. When I tell you we mm-hmm. we did five five to $10,000, we're really about five to about $15,000 weddings for 500 for 1000 for 1500 1800 People just didn't want to pay us. But when I tell you the spirit of excellence was upon us, let me tell you how excellent it was. I see people repeating and duplicating some of the things that God allowed me to bring. Can I tell you, woman Mm -hmm. of God, I can't touch anything and decorate anything, but it's in my head. And God said, I don't want you touching nothing, but you got a team. Um, Apostle Latoya that's up under me, I lay hands on that woman of God because she was – she was doing a good job, but I needed an excellent job. And I prayed and I said, yes. God, what can I do to get my vision into her hands, into her spirit, all down in her soul? He said, lay hands on her and give it to her. And when I tell you that woman of God went to town and then when she got it, the others got it. So I'm just grateful for that. But he told me Amen. the second challenge of being a woman in ministry is to take us, it takes us too long to learn the word no. You know what I'm saying? We just want to people please, and we want to help everybody. And we're in a season where where you need to know if this is something that God has ordained for you to do or not. And if it's not something that God has ordained for you to do, you need to tell them real quick, no. You know, but on the same token, if it's something that you can be of a blessing to somebody and you can really help somebody, it's okay to help them. And then the last 
challenge that God had me to talk about as a woman in ministry is that we're nurturers at heart, but people will try to take your kindness for weakness, and then they will get offended. That spirit of offense has just creeped into the body of Christ. And I heard a young man recently say uh, he left his church because the, there was so much division and the church was so divided. And uh, God had me to remind him, one of my pastors told me years ago that the church is just like a family. He asked me a question. He said, do you have any people in your family that are alcoholics, that are the drug addicts, the liars, the cheaters, mm-hmm. the uh, fornicators, those that's constantly getting divorced? those that's constantly gossiping. He said, that's who the church is. That Those are the people that come to the church to get help. The church is the hospital. So I'm just grateful that God has allowed me to walk in this place in him where that spirit of offense just rolls off of my back. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, can't nobody hurt you like the saints. You know what I'm saying? But that's what God is it's doing in this season because he said he took the bread, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread, and then he gave the bread. So he took you and then he blessed you. See, first you had a honeymoon with God where it just seemed like everything is just going so wonderful and everything's just going so great. But then God got to break you. He got to process you just like with that um, the olive. They got to press it to get the oil out of it. He got to break you to get the greatness out of you, to get that anointing out of you, to let you know that you are who God called you to be. He has to get that spirit of offense off of you because as the saints, we don't want nobody telling us nothing. We don't want to hear nothing. We just think we're the greatest. A woman of God prophesied to me, and she told me, she said, woman of God, God said, that you got a, a religious spirit he's trying to get out of. And I didn't want to go against her, but when I got off the phone, I'm murmuring and complaining in my spirit. I'm like, God, I'm an apostle. God using me to break the spirit of offense off the body of Christ. What is she talking about? Hey, but see, God will keep, he'll keep pruning you, and he'll keep training you, and he'll keep allowing you to go through something. Woman of God, when I tell you, six months later, we got an invitation to this uh, small church that was in the city, somebody had never fellowship with, but God said, go. But all after we got that invitation, I accepted it. Then the big church, the big church of God in Christ church calls and want me to, uh, my husband and I to come to the anniversary. So I go, we felt a little out of place, even though he's a, he was a man of God. He's real big in church of God in Christ now, who we used to fellowship. And we were, my husband and I were friends with he and his wife. And I looked in the mirror and I was gonna put on some kind of, kind of not, not, not kind of, kind of darker kind of lipstick. And God uh-huh. said, God said, uh, where your red lipstick at? You wear it any other time? And I was like, well, God, I'm going to church of God in Christ Church. And and I heard God so clear. He said, if you gonna wear the red lipstick anywhere else, I need you to put it on today. So I began to repent before God and hurry up and found that red lipstick. And then he made me wear the real bright red, which I wouldn't have. I don't wear that to church no way. But he said, put that one on. And I went up in there to that church. And then the pastor, you a bishop, come sit up in the pulpit. Well, we, we, we're not going to stay long. We just wanted to come drop a check. And we wanted to uh, go out. We could have another engagement we need to get to. And 
he called up my husband and I up both. And he said, uh, I want you to give remarks. And I said, we don't have to give remarks. He said, I insist, you're a bishop, I insist that you give remarks. I'm talking about a Church of God in Christ pastor, mm-hmm. and here I am yeah. from the Baptist church. Still got some of that Baptist on me. But woman of God, when I tell you, I mean the church was packed. When I tell you I prophesied that man of God's elevation, I prophesied that people weren't even going to recognize him. And then he, uh, a couple of years later when it happened, he invited my husband and I to the, um, when he became a bishop in Church of God in Christ, and now he's one of those that sits real close up under Bishop Charles Blakes. So Thanks. this thing is real. You hear me? This yeah. thing is Absolutely. real. Absolutely, and I, you know, I, I make, I wrote down the, these areas, you know, and, and it's interesting when you, the first one, both men and women see gender. Absolutely, they do. They always have, you know, uh, women act like they don't, but they do. You, you let a woman step into a certain position in the body of Christ. Women, some women will show you that they still see gender. You know, they this still woman think came gender. in my inbox. She inboxed me and told me she was chief apostle so-and-so, so-and-so, and and told me she had an offense with me being a bishop. And I told her, I said, woman of God, I didn't ask for any of this, and I'm not moved by titles. I am anointed. Sometimes I step in as the bishop. Sometimes I step in as the apostle. And and all the time I'm going to serve because I'm most of all a servant of the Most High God. And I just couldn't believe as a woman of God, she's saying I'm chief apostle so-and-so, but she got an offense with me being Bishop Valerie Isaiah. Right. And, you know, okay, well, pray about it. You know, I can't do nothing about that. You know, because people have a tendency sometimes, you know, from the counseling aspect of everything, is, you know, if I say a, if I say something to you a certain way and probably make you feel guilty about it, make you feel bad about it, then you'll change it just based on what I said, you know. And it goes to, uh, I think, along with, too, you know, you say too long to uh, use the word no. It takes too long for us to learn to say no. You know, just to compliment even that, sometimes, you know, and I like the way you responded to her, but sometimes we have to have a righteous indignation because people mm-hmm. will say all kind of things to us, you know, and try to put that gender thing on it or what they think or what I have a problem with or, you know what I'm saying? But again, like you said, it's okay for you to be a chief apostle, but then you're going to knock somebody for being a bishop. You know, I I think I'm growing in that area because I'd have to really, I don't know. I don't know. I unfriended her. That's what I'm uh, And it wasn't because I wanted to unfriend her. God said, in this season, if people are not celebrating you, then delete. Yeah. Now, see, okay, I like that. Because I know sometimes I have a, you know, I just have gotten to the point where you can't just say no anything to me. Now, there's some things I, you know, like you, I probably would have responded in that email. But if you, if there are certain people that come around all the time making little snide remarks, saying little, you know, people used to, would say to me stuff like, um, um, as I would minister, they would say, I don't know how you flow like that. What, well, you just was in church. What you mean you don't know how I flow like that? But it's just, but these are people well, in ministry, you know. But their, so, their well, word for me is that I'm spooky. Um, and you know what I'm saying, but the Bible said we are peculiar people. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And I used to say I'm a strange bird, but about two years ago when I moved from St. Louis to Texas, God said don't speak that in the atmosphere anymore. 
that you're a strange bird. He said, you're just one of my peculiar people. But this pastor came to our anniversary, our... I want to say maybe it was our third year anniversary, and you know we was all excited and we shouting real good because God had blessed us with a, a a big church in on the north side of St. Louis, and it had a balcony and it had 19 pews in it, it had multiple offices, and we all excited and everything. And this bishop Ivory uh, Bailey, he came to the service and he said. God said Christ Church International is extraordinary, and he's going to do extraordinary things in your life. And then a couple of months later, God told us to leave the church. It's like we're excited, and we shouting all over the, the big building. We had some contract negotiations, so God said leave, and we went back to our uh, house for nine months, and then he released another beautiful building. It wasn't as big and grand, but it was what we needed. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it was yeah, something yeah. that we can afford, we could take care of. And even the months that we were at the other building, with the few that we had, God was providing. He was sending people, was sending $1,000 checks at a time to make sure that we were able to uh, keep that building. So he's faithful. Amen. Amen. So I'm excited about your uh, teaching today. Um God is about to do a new thing. I'm going to turn it over to you um, and let you uh, have a few minutes to teach, and we're just going to sit back and open our ears to hear and receive it in our spirit. So uh, it's you can you can teach now. Okay, thank you so much. I truly um, reverence God, his son Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. And woman of God, again, I thank God for you. I honor you. I honor the gift Blessing. that you Blessing. are to the body of Christ. I truly thank God for my husband, Chief Apostle Connell Isaiah, and all of Christ Church International. I, um, I'm just excited about this word. As I began to seek God's face about what he would have me to minister, and he said, um, I want you to go to Isaiah 43 and 19. He said, just read the beginning. And so I read it, behold, I will do a new thing. He said, uh, I want you to minister on God is about to do a new thing. And so as I began to prepare the message, he said, I want you to start out with just a little short prayer. So, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just thank you this morning. God, I praise you. God, I glorify you. God, I magnify you. Lord, I just lift up the powerful name of Jesus. Oh, God, there is none like you. Father, I'm about to go into your word, not to take from nor to add to, Lord God, as you to use me as a vessel of honor. Father, I thank you for this awesome woman of God, Minister Ginger London, Lord God. Father, everything that's been held up, I decree right now yeah. in the name of thank Jesus you, Lord, that Jesus. it has been released into her yeah. hands, Lord God. I decree increase, overflow, abundance, and more than enough upon her and upon each person that has chosen to listen this morning. And we'll be so careful all of our days to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. So as I yeah. began to process this word, he said, I want you to talk about some women in the Bible. So he, he said, let's start at the beginning with Eve. Come on, you know Eve. She was the mother of these three sons. And her first son was Cain. 
who was a tiller of the ground, and then she had another son that was Abel, who was a keeper of the sheep. And as time passed and as they grew up, God was requiring them to bring an offering. And, you know, Cain, he just bought a portion of it, but 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 Abel bought the first fruits. I just need to know, is there anybody out there listening today that's willing to just bring God your first fruits? Come on, he bought God the first of it. And if the first is blessed, all the rest of it is blessed. So he brought that before God, and it made Cain get angry. And Cain, during the process of time, was having a conversation with his brother, and the next thing we knew, he had killed his brother. I can just imagine the, the grief that Eve felt that her that her son had killed her other son. But 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 even in spite of the fact that that Cain that Eve and Adam were in the garden and they had to leave the garden because Eve was the one that had took the bite of the fruit and because she had got beguiled by the by the, the serpent, even though he said that she would have to experience pain and childbirth and that Adam would have to experience uh, hard work, God yet had mercy. And he opened up her womb once again and he gave her another son. Come on, God sent me here today to tell you that he's about to open up some things. He's about to release some things. He's about to anoint you with a fresh anointing to do something that you couldn't do before. Come on, I'm just excited about what God did in Eve's life because, see, Eve gave birth to Seth and then Seth gave birth to well, Seth became the father of Enos, and then men began to call on the name of the Lord. And as I read a little bit more this morning, that the lineage of Jesus went all the way back to Adam. And it's like I've, I've read the Bible, and I've, I've studied the Bible, but this morning God said, get up, had me getting up at 6 o'clock and had me reading a few things. And they talked, to, and I read some other uh Source material that led back talked about how uh, Seth led that all of that went back to uh, went on down to Jesus, and I said, "Okay, Holy Ghost." And then I just need to say that this is for somebody who's been feeling some disappointment, who's been feeling some setbacks, and who's been feeling like. God win. I decree and declare in the name of Jesus under the power of the Holy Ghost, under this holy boldness that God has given me, that he's given you a come back strong spirit. Come on, a come back strong spirit. I'm, I'm decreeing and declaring in the name of Jesus under the option of the Holy Ghost that this come back strong spirit is falling freshly upon you. Come on, come on. God gave Eve, that comeback spirit. And it shall, and I'm decreeing and declaring in the name of Jesus under the auction of the Holy Ghost that it's going to overtake you. Come on, God is about to do a new thing in your life. Come on, God is stirring up some gifts right now. Come on, God is stirring you up to open up the business. He's stirring you up to try it again. I know that my daughter, she's been trying to do her own business, and each time she's been getting a contract, it, it just doesn't seem to pan out to what it was supposed to be. But what I like about her is that God has given her that comeback strong spirit, just like he's given it to her mother, the comeback strong spirit. So I'm speaking to everybody that has something that just seems like it's been held up, just seems like it hasn't happen yet that that comeback strong spirit fall down upon you and now i'm gonna just address for a little while lot's wife 
Come on, if you really think about Lot's wife, she's a cautionary tale for all of us. Come on, they were told to get out of Sodom and Gomorrah. They shouldn't have been there in the first place. God had blessed Lot with so much riches. Come on, he was riding with Abraham. So Abraham got blessed and Lot got blessed. I'm here to tell you, somebody needs to really ride with your leader today. Come on, your leader going to get blessed and it's going to fall down from the head and you're going to get blessed. So they were told to flee from Sodom and Gomorrah because God was about to rain down fire and brimstone from heaven. Oh, people say they don't want to hear those words about fire and brimstone. He's the same God today, yesterday, and forever. He's calling for us to get right, church, and get ready because it's almost time to go home. Come on, they were told to run for their lives and look not behind thee, but they looked back. Lot's wife looked back. I'm I'm here specifically for someone that has been trying to relive their glory years, that have been trying to live and think about how they had money before they got saved, how it seemed like they get their income tax check before they got saved and they could buy this so they could do that, or it just seemed like you had a little bit more money in the bank. God wants you to know that everything Back there needs to be left back there. That was then, but this is now. Come on, he wants you to know that everything from back there was temporary. Come on, you can't take a temporary thing into this new place that God is taking you to. That he's about to do a new thing in your life. Come on, he's ready to open the windows of heaven. He's ready to open up those portals to pour you out blessings that you shall not have room to receive. Come on, this ain't even what, but this is what the Holy Ghost is telling me to share with you. Back in 2017, it started in 2016, God told me to get an envelope. He said, I need you to put $5 in it. I said, he told me to tell your congregation, I need everybody in your ministry to put $5 in the envelope. He said, and everywhere you go preach, I need you to tell them that they need to get an envelope and put $5 in it. And every time they get some money or some extra hit their hand from whatever it is that they get and for whatever the extra that hits their hands, I need them to add to that envelope. Come on. So I need to know if somebody will listen and hear God. It's just a white little envelope and it's just $5. So then God said, I need you to Make a change. He gave me, he said, I need you to either go to California, I need you to go to Atlanta, Georgia, I need you to go to either Dallas, Texas, or I need you to move to the Illinois side where you came from, Belleville, Shallow area. But I'm a submissive wife. I don't care if people say how loud I am and how much I talk and what I got to say. I submit to the man of God. So he sat at the computer table, stands at the computer desk, and I was sitting in the bed with my feet crossed, and I said, I'm hearing God so strong about these four states. And he said, honey, I've always wanted to live in the Dallas area. And I said, God, no, it's too hot. That's the only place I've ever asked you in my life could you not send me was Dallas. I love to come vacation, but I never want to live there with all of that heat after coming there for three summers in a row. But God had a plan. So I put that $5 in that envelope and kept adding to it and adding to it. And then he said, don't go into the new year broke. 
It's like, okay. Ended up having to spend some money. God had me to treat my church members to a real lavish Christmas, buying them jewelry, boots, all kind of stuff, outfits, all kind of stuff, stuff decorating their house, different stuff. So when I got through with that, all I had was the money that was in the envelope. And then now God's saying move. I said, God, could you have told me to prepare for the move and not did all this stuff for Christmas and stuff? And God said, my ways are not your ways. When I tell you, when we got ready to move to Fort Worth, Texas, we had to pay those people over, we had to pay them over 5000 to get in the house. We had the, the, the moving truck, we had other all kind of other expenses, and prophets had prophesied, God going to bless you to get a beautiful home. When I tell you it was 2,400 square feet, two stories, beautiful home in a beautiful neighborhood, I still don't know how we got that house. But I need to tell you that God, since then, he's done an even newer thing. He's done something big in my life, blessed me with a beautiful over $300,000 home. And I'm not bragging about nothing. I'm just telling you how good and how faithful my God is. But we put that money in that $5 we started with that envelope. When I tell you I paid over that 5000 to get in the house, I was able to bless some other people with their the money that they need to get in their homes and God furnished my house. I took $6,600 and paid cash for living room furniture, new bedroom furniture, uh, and then later on took some more money, bought a new stove and, you know, a new washer and dryer, just things that you need for the home. But he said he'll do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. But it's according to the power that worketh within us. The power that worketh within us is obeying God. and. One family, his his take home was fifteen hundred a month. You know, fifteen hundred. He got to pay, take care of bills, uh, keep a roof over the head, buy food. But when I tell you, they went from that five dollars to having over four thousand to pay to get in their home and to make their move. I'm telling you about a supernatural God who's ready to do a new thing in your life. Come on, He's doing exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, but it's according to the power that worketh within us. Are you willing to utilize the power? So then I want to talk to you about how Sarah laughed. Come on, she laughed at the promises of God. She was told that she'd give birth to a baby at her her son at her old age. I could just remember Sarah just reflecting how, how God told her and Abraham to get out from their country, from their kindred, from their father's house, to go to a place that God would show up. And it's so funny how God do, do a thing because God showed them the promised land, but they had to pass through it. That's somebody's word today. God has shown you what he's going to do. See, see, the one thing about God, he'll begin to just tell you what he's going to do in your life. He'll begin to tell you the end results, but he won't tell you about the trial. He won't tell you about the tribulation. He won't tell you about how people allow you, how people will tell you what's not God and how people will call you spooky and how people will talk about you, how they'll just try to manipulate you. But but Sarah, she laughed what 
God had spoken. She, but because see, Sarah was looking at her circumstances. She was looking at that she was at the time eighty nine years old, and she was looking at her husband was ninety nine years old. See, she was looking at her circumstance. She looked at her circumstance so that she told her handmaiden, "Hey, girl, come on, have a baby." for me with my husband. And then when Hagar got pregnant, she began to mock her. And then when Hagar even tried to leave, she left for a little while, and then God made her go back. I, I've had a uh, comeback experience where I left the church, and, and God made me go back and didn't wouldn't let me leave until I got it right. So I, I understand how God would move on you on a situation like that. Because somebody's been laughing. They've been laughing at you. They've been laughing about what God said he's going to do in your life. Somebody don't believe that you are who God says that you are. Somebody has counted you out. Somebody needs to ask somebody who you are. God is trying to to make a turnaround in your life. God is about to do a new thing. Come on, can God just interrupt your plans and begin to do a new thing in your life? Come on, are there any Sarahs out there listening? They're about to give birth to to a held up blessing, or they're about to give birth to a banquet sitter, about to write the book for real this time, about to get it published with a major, major publisher, about to preach on some of the biggest stages that you've ever preached at before, about to be able to write some checks, because I'm just hearing in my spirit, somebody want to be able to sow some seeds into their ministry, some real big seeds, I'm talking about some five and ten and twenty and thirty thousand dollars seeds on up to some 50 and 100 and 500,000 dollar seeds, some million dollar seeds. But see, in order to sow those kind of seeds, you got to be able to be in those million dollar brackets. But uh, God sent me here today to speak to your finances right now in the name of Jesus. I command your finances under the option of the Holy Ghost to rise up to meet the desires that God has for you. You know, the prophets have Okay. And they told you that you're going to be a wealthy millionaire and, and God's going to bless billions to co- go come through your hands. But I speak to everything that's been held up in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Manifestation. Manifestation in your home. Manifestation in your business. Manifestation on your job. Manifestation in your marriage. Manifestation with your children. I speak to all those grown children that have left God, that are not serving, that they're coming back, that they're going want to know what else I do to be saved. I speak to everything that God promised you that is being manifested in the name of Jesus. And then God told me, he said, I want to, I want you to talk a little bit about Leah. Oh, you know, Leah with the tangled eyes. Can you imagine? the rejection that she felt because, see, Rachel was the beautiful one. Rachel was the one that met Jacob at the well. But, 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 but see, he served those seven years so that he can marry beautiful Rachel. But when he opened his eyes, uh, when he opened his eyes the next morning, he was married to Leah. And I could just imagine Leah was just smiling. She was so excited because the custom was that the oldest daughter would get married first. So, 
I can just imagine that Leah, after she started having these children and she started just going through the process, I can just imagine how she looked over at Jacob, how he would look at Rachel, how he would just look at her with such love and such admiration. But Rachel was barren, but Leah was the one that kept having these children. But I, I came to speak to some Leahs. I came to speak to some people that are resilient. Come on, any resilient people listening. Come on, anybody a bounce back person. Come on, anybody pe- pe- Anybody need to know that you need to let go of your past hurts. Come on, come on. You're in a season where you need to forgive them quickly. Come on, you need to do just like the Timex watch. Oh, back in the day, the Timex commercial said that it would take a lick and it keep on ticking. Come on, where are my resilient people at? Come on, where are the, the people that are the the real worshipers, the people that no matter how many no's you get, you still going to worship God. No matter how many ways they look at you sideways, you still going to worship God. No matter how many no's you get, you still going to give God glory. Come on, where are the people at that, that know who your God is? Come on, the, the people that know their God shall do great exploits. Come on, he's ready to do some great exploits in your life. Come on, I know that there's some Hannah's on the line. You know Hannah was married, and but she was like a sister wife. She had to share her husband with Penina, and Penina kept popping, popping out these babies, but Hannah was barren. I know it's some women, it's some men might just feel like some situations in your life are barren. You might feel like the job that you have is barren. You might feel like your business is not making the money that you feel like it needs to, and you feel like you're barren. I know I'm, I might need to speak to somebody's wounds, that somebody's wounds feels barren and needs to open up in the powerful name of Jesus. Come on, God is faithful. God is faithful. And then the, what I like about Hannah is that she went to the house of God. She didn't get on the phone calling up her friends gossiping. She didn't murmur. She didn't complain. But she went to the house of God. She made a petition made known to God. Come on, the Bible teaches us to cry loud and spare not. To, so she was crying out to God, and Eli heard her, and he thought she was a drunken woman. She said, I'm not a woman of Belial. I'm just a woman of sorrowful spirit. And God told Eli to told her to told her to go in peace and God is gonna grant your position petition. That's somebody's word today. God just wants you to go in peace and he's about to grant your petition. Oh you've been praying for something and he wants you to go in peace. Oh you've been believing God for something and he wants you to go in peace. Oh you've been trusting God for something and he wants you to go in peace. Oh and for that woman that's been in ministry and God's been having people for you for the last 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years speak on the platforms that he's going to put you on. I'm hearing God say, go and plead, and he's going to grant you your petition. Come on, and then there was Mary. Come on, anybody know Mary? Come on, Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, Mary. You know that they've been talking about you. Come on, Mary, they're talking about you because Joseph was feeling like he needed to put you away privately. Come on, Mary. Trust God anyhow. Come on, Mary. God done told you you're pregnant. 
with a baby from the Holy Ghost, somebody pregnant with something from with with destiny, with something from, that's powerful, with something that's only that from the Holy Ghost, with something that only that God can do. Come on, Mary. Come on, God chose you in spite of what they say. Come on, I got they in parentheses. They will try to block you. They will try to lock you out. They will try to lie on you. They will try to disregard you. They will try to scandalize your name. They will try to come against your integrity. They will try, try, but God, but God. Come on, Mary. You're about to show up on center stage. Come on, Mary. God's about to do a new thing in your life. God's about to transform you, Mary. Come on, Mary. Your gift is about to make room for you. Come on, the Bible said your gift will make room for you and present you before great men. Come on, that's somebody's word today. Father, I speak to the belly. I speak to the soul. I speak to their minds right now in the name of Jesus, that their gift is making room for them and it's about to present them before great men. Come on, Mary. I know there's no room in the end. Come on, Mary. I know that you're about to give birth to this baby. Come on, Mary. I need you to just hold on. Come on, Mary. I need you to just trust God. Come on, Mary. I need you to just depend on God. Come on. Come on, Mary. Come on, Mary. Come on. I know it looks like time is running out. I know it just looks like you're having labor pain. I know I'm talking about Mary, but I'm talking to you. I know it just feels like you got some labor pains. I know it just feels like the promises of God are held up. But I come to speak to every spirit. Everything that's been held up, everything that hasn't appeared yet, that it has to loose right now in the name of Jesus under the option of the Holy Ghost. Uh, come on, Mary, don't quit because you got to give birth. Come on, I, I came to speak to every spirit that's trying to make you quit, that's trying to make you give up, that's trying to make you stop, that's trying to make you back up. I command that spirit to loose right now in the name of Jesus, to be cut off at the root of Step back to the center in the name of Jesus. Come on, Mary. God chose you. Come on, in spite of what it looked like, He chose you. In spite of your youth, Mary, He chose you. Come on, He brought you through it. If He brought you to it, He'll bring you through it, Mary. Come on, I need to know if there's some Marys out there that's trusting God that He'll bring you through it, that He's brought you to a place, that He's brought you to your destiny, that He's brought you to a place where you got to make a decision, that your mind got to get made up, that for God I live and for God I die. Come on, Mary, the stables aren't the end of the world. Come on, I know that the stables are full, but, but I know that the, the hotels are full. Mary, but the stables. I know that they're full of animals. I know that it's a smelly place. I know that it's a place that you didn't expect yourself to be, but I know it now, Mary, it's time for you to push. It's time for somebody to push through that situation, push through that trial, push through that tribulation, push through them kids, push through the school, push through those grades that you experienced with your children, push through that marriage, push through your brokenness, push through every trial, push through every tribulation. Come on, push through every lie. Push through it. Push through it. Come on, Mary. The baby is here now in spite of all that you went through. Come on, in spite of all that you went through, God is bringing you out. Come on, God is bringing you out. In spite of all that you went through, God is bringing you out. And this is for the ones that went through it. 
It just seems like it would never end. But God is telling you today that he's about to do a new thing. Come on, Jesus, it's that new thing. Come on, can God do a new thing in your life? Come on, Jesus, it's that new thing. Come on, Jesus took some water pots and and some water was put in these water pots and he 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 began to turn that water into wine. Come on, can God do a new thing? Come on, he already said you can't put new wine in old wine skins. So Father, I speak to them wine skins that they become new, Lord God. That you're putting new wine all down in their belly, Lord God. That you're doing something new in their life. Huh? Come on, and then Jesus yeah. healed the nobleman's son. Come on, he's a healer. Come on, he's a healer. Come on, anybody need healing today? Come on, and then Jesus helped Peter catch a boat full of fish. Somebody feel like they're about to give up, but don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. You're about to catch a boatload of fish. Come on, and then Jesus healed the centurion's servant. Come on, he's a healer. He's still healing. And as I close, Jesus healed Jairus' daughter, who was 12 years old, after he had healed the woman with the issue of blood. Anybody need healing today? He's still a healer. He's still a healer. And he's healing you right now. He's validating you right now. And he's making you whole right now. Somebody give him glory. Amen. 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 What a powerful word. Amen. I know for those who are listening live with us right now or who may uh, listen to the replay, you will be able to find yourself somewhere one spot in that in that powerful teaching. God is about to do a new thing. I know I avail myself to receive the new thing that God is going to do in my life and for my life. And I, I speak that over everyone that's listening, that you open your spirit to God doing a new thing in you. Don't get so comfortable in that old stuff that you settle that this is all for you. No, it's more for you than what you've been through. It's more for you than where you are right now. So as we get ready to close, I can just tell the listening audience how they can get in touch with you. I'm, uh, thanks again, woman of God. I surely Amen. appreciate Blessing. you. I appreciate yes. this opportunity. I can be emailed at V, as in Valerie P, as in Paul, with my last name, Isaiah, I-S-A-I-A-H, at yahoo.com. So Isaiah at yahoo.com. You can find me on Facebook at Valerie Isaiah, Instagram, Apostle Valerie Isaiah, and then on Twitter, Dr. Valerie Isaiah at Bishop V. Isaiah. And my book, Where Was God a Journey, can be purchased through AuthorHouse.com. It is an excellent read. And, you, of course, you can call me at 314-974-8015. But the best place is to just reach out to me on Messenger. I respond pretty quickly. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you so much for being here, woman of God. I know your time is valuable. I just didn't want this year to go out where we where I didn't spotlight you and honor you for being a spiritual diamond in the body of Christ and doing the great works that you are doing and encourage you to continue to let your brilliance shine so that people can see your good works and those that you are assigned to can receive your good works so that they can start living greater lives in the body of Christ. Mm. It's, it's it's just yes. an awesome thing. 
being. And so I just, I'm really humbled that you're here, and I am just grateful that you took time out to actually come and and participate or, you know, call into the show and be a part of the show um, on today. And you're welcome at any time. So when you're ready to write that part two and you want to promote it or you got some special teaching you want to do, reach out to me and let's schedule and uh, Mm. to get you back on here. Yeah. Oh, I received so, um, that. I received Amen. That. Absolutely. You know, um, uh, the Bible says two are better than one, even mm. in the area of success, because you can enjoy the fruit of each other's labor. When no man is an island, we can't do this thing by ourselves. No matter mm. how anointed we think we are, how smart we think we are, how brilliant we think we are, no one can do this by themselves, period. Mm. So, mm. Uh, so I, I – uh, I open that door to you uh, when you, if, you know, whenever you would like to do that, just reach out to me and we'll, I'll look at the schedule and we can, we could always be able to plug it in uh, somewhere. So mm, go thank ahead. you, woman of God. I appreciate that. I, I, I'm so humbled. Amen. Amen. So those of you who are listening again, uh, if you have to play this, if you're doing listening to the replay, play this over and over again, get the nuggets from the teaching on today and even the nuggets that are in when we're, when I'm interviewing her, she's sharing her testimony with you. There was some nuggets inside of her testimony, get all of it. So we're going to post the replays on the social sites. Uh, when the replay is ready from here, we'll put the link out there so you can come and listen to the replay. Um, again, I'll send you a link apostle so that you can have it. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening and those who are listening live through Internet and those who are on the phone lines with us. Thank you. Thank everyone so much. And again, thank you, Apostle Valerie. I look forward to doing kingdom business and work with you in the near future. Do you have any closing remarks before we close? Just excited about uh, this just being a wonderful day that God has made and just rejoicing Amen. over all of the things that he's doing. And God bless you, woman of God. And I just decree thank the you. favor of God overtaking you in the powerful name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I receive it. Amen. So once again, everybody, I'm Minister Ginger London of GingerLondon.com. Thank you for joining us. Have a great day. God bless.